Hello and welcome to the Persephone program for April 22nd, 2020, International Earth Day and New Moon in Taurus. I hope that you are having a at least decent day and if you're listening to this after the new moon that you are... I guess maybe sort of thinking about the themes of Taurus, the themes of a new moon in Taurus, and maybe working on that a little bit in your life. So um, I wanted to talk about Taurus in general and the theme of Taurus as it is a very Taurian day um, with both the sun and the new moon in Taurus and also the planet Uranus in Taurus. And Uranus and Taurus is um, really a big deal that's kind of been coming up a lot lately because I guess kind of one of the current um, rising manifestations of this coronavirus pandemic and the economic disillusion um, and reconstruction, hopefully that's coming, deconstruction, I guess, is what's happening right now. Um that kind of arose out of the Saturn-Pluto conjunction of January that I've been talking about and all this other stuff is is issues with food and food production. Um, I was just reading an article today, this afternoon, about um, the UN's address in regards to the potential for the COVID-19 virus to interfere and interrupt food production around the world, causing those people that are living in difficulty, that are living in marginal um, quality of life situations to become seriously um, in danger of starvation. There are so many people that are living on the edge in this world. And that includes people in this country of Abundanza, the United States. And that, you know, really made me think about you know, Uranus and Taurus and so many astrologers for the last couple of years talking about what is the revolutionary planet of Uranus going to do in the sign of Taurus? Because as you'll remember that the planets represent archetypal energies and the signs that they're in are how those energies get expressed out in the world. And so Uranus is bringing its sort of Promethean um, illuminating Uh, energy to the sign of Taurus, which is the sign of the earth and food production. And, you know, Taurus is, you know, definitively connected with, you know, the fertility of the earth and food production, as well as land and climate and things like that. And so, um, you know, there's an opportunity here for both disruptions, because Uranus is considered to be also the great awakener and disruptor as well as um, as well as like maybe new insights and illuminations on what can happen. So um, I think that it, you know it's it's obviously really you know very obvious. I feel sometimes when I go to bed and I think about everything that's going on because just like you, you know I'm you know housebound and trying to navigate my way mentally, emotionally, you know spiritually through this time. I'm also kind of slightly excited by the fact that, you know, shit's getting real, you know, stuff is really going down, whether it's the shakeup, um, and wake up of, you know, our governmental systems and some of our economic systems that just aren't sustainable. 
Okay. Like healthcare. All right. Like, to be honest, huh, capitalism, you know, some stuff like that. Uh, you know, it's kind of exciting because for those of us that do kind of, you know, maybe we do want to live in a more egalitarian world with liberty and justice for all. You know, why isn't that possible? You know, I can hear people, you know, saying well, some people are lazy and nope. And I think that everybody, everybody wants the same things, which is to love and be loved to do something productive that they feel good about. Because everybody, like there's everybody, even lazy, lazy ass people, you know, they still have things that they enjoy doing. Everyone has something to give to this world. You know, and some, you know, for some people it's, it's, you know, you know, it, it may be less active than others. Anywho, um, happy new moon, you guys. It's the dark of the moon right now here um, in West Coast Pacific time. Four hours almost to um, the new moon. And this is dark of the moon time. I posted a little banishing ritual. I like to, in the dark of the moon, you know, you feel a little bit dark. It's that kind of dark night of the soul time that happens, you know, like, you know, in this, in its season, in its time. And so before the moon, shows its new face, you know, it is, it, it, it is gone sort of underground, it's in hiding. And so sometimes there can be this sort of, I guess a little bit of a destitute feeling emotionally or just some need for, for soul searching. Sometimes people can experience a day or two before a new moon, a kind of dark night of the soul type thing where they have to struggle against, um, their own nature and, and learn to cultivate faith and hope and optimism. You know, sometimes it comes maybe three or four days before the new moon. Um, and it may even come as a result of a crisis that happens in that last quarter waning moon a week before the new moon. So learning to observe the lunar cycles is just so it's so fulfilling because, um, you know, and many of you who listen to this podcast, I'm sure women, it's like, it's like connecting to your menstrual cycle. And when you have um, certain types of feelings and you're kind of like, where did this come from? And, you know, it's it's scary sometimes to have overwhelming emotions or feelings that arise. And when you find out it's coming from your own hormonal system, like if you look at it from the menstrual cycle system and you know that perhaps, you know, you're getting your menses. So, a week or so before that you feel emotional or, you know, a few days before you feel, I know I do. It's like just a few days usually before, um, I feel very emotional and, um, like deeply so. And, um, cause I usually, I try and especially as I've gotten older to try and be like fairly equal there, but, um, observing the moon helps. It really does. You can plant by the moon. It's a great time now to plant. Um, as the moon waxes. So if you guys are out there on International Earth Day buying seeds, buying plants for this, you know, potential food shortage, which may or may not actually happen for us in the United States, but we already know that there are some shortages. So honestly, if you can, might as well learn how to grow some things. Doesn't take much, you know. We all have to eat to live. And um, learning how to connect to your own food is a really healthy 
and beautiful way to connect to yourself, um, to appreciate the simple things, to appreciate simplicity. So in this new moon, um, you know, Taurus just mentioning also that Taurus is all about like tr values, true and authentic ones. You know, what are, what, what do you want? What do you want to seed? So write your new wishes. If you know your chart and you may know that I actually write out new moon and full moon reports with little reports by your sun and or ascendant. So if you know your ascendant or your rising sign, where Taurus is, is where you need to plant your seeds. And you can use, you know, you if you're reading my reports, you can read it by your sun or your ascendant, it doesn't matter. But it's a good, it's a really great time to do some new, new moon seeding for, um, you know, for the next sort of 28 days, the next lunar cycle. Um, so I want to talk about Taurus a little bit in general, and I'm going to, it's going to lead into, um, me talking about Venus because I've been, um, connecting with my dear friend, Brooke Albrigo, and we're talking about doing, um, a Venus workshop with some healing and some insight and some ritual. And it's important because Venus is doing her, you know, um, every 18 months or so retrograde and she's retrograding for 40 days and 40 nights and I know you've probably heard that term before 40 days and 40 nights and you think wow like where have I heard 40 days and 40 nights well it's a term used a lot in the bible you know Jesus was in the desert for 40 days and 40 nights and that ties into um it ties into Venus's retrograde and that she disappears essentially. And, you know, Venus as the brightest star in the sky, um, you know, other than the sun and the moon is it's a very important, like psychological and spiritual marker for us as a species. And, um, I think that it has sort of worked on the collective psyche for, you know, thousands and thousands of years. And, uh, it's important, again, just like with the moon watching and the moon observation to observe Venus when she turns her face away from us, when she goes underground. Uh, so here in the United States, um, you know, she is an evening star, meaning that you see her at night in the evening. And after her retrograde in June, she is going to be a morning star. You'll see her first thing in the morning twinkling brightly. And Venus is going to go retrograde, retro, retrograde um, very, very soon. It's actually going to be in about three weeks, a little less than three weeks on May 12th. And that's going to um, be at around the same time as Saturn retrogrades. And then we're going to have Jupiter and they're joining Pluto, which will retrograde this weekend. So we're going to have a lot of retrograde planets um, in June. Mercury will join and um, we're going to have a kind of a, a summer of having to go over things again and through, you know, through things more internal. It's going to be kind of sleepy. Um, you know, I think that it's going to take quite a bit of time for the economy to come back uh, and it will be very slow probably 
So anyway, I want to talk, I want to read to you guys a little bit from the Taurus chapter that I'm in the process of writing. It's still a work in progress, but uh, it is Taurus season. And for any of you guys that are astrology students or interested in astrology, I am attempting to tell a little bit about my life in memoir fashion, as well as give you guys um, examples uh, and astrology lessons. So here is a little bit from my book on Taurus. Capricorns are often close to their grandparents, having the Saturnian affinity for tradition, maturity, and the wisdom that comes from age. I was really fortunate to have very involved and younger grandparents that played an important part in my and my brother's lives. My two grandmothers especially had a very special place in my heart and many interesting astrological points that connected their own astrology to mine. The most prominent in our connections were to the sign of Taurus, which has dominion over the midpoint of spring, a time of sensuality and fertility in the natural world. Taurus is an earth sign of fixed polarity representing a mode of operation that's deliberate, grounded, and stable in its expression. My paternal grandmother, Eleanor, was a Taurus sun with both Mercury and Venus in Taurus in her natal chart. Both my grandmothers were really beautiful, but Eleanor was gorgeous. She had very high cheekbones and just exquisite bone structure. Her lineage included Dutch, English, and Scots, And honestly, with her soft blue eyes and blonde hair, she looked just like a classic Hollywood Venus. Eleanor and my maternal grandmother, Helen, were born almost exactly six months apart in the year 1920. Their own relational astrology included the suns in opposition, Eleanor as a Taurus, Helen as a Scorpio, and the nodes of the moon, both in the Taurus-Scorpio axis. All signs work this way, by the way, in astrology as part of like an axis, the yin-yang, but especially the nodes of the moon. So I too share this position with a north node, south node in Taurus Scorpio, but it's an exact opposition to theirs. Astronomically, the nodes of the moon are found where the Earth's orbit around the sun, which is called the elliptic, is intersected by the moon's orbit around the Earth. This is where you get eclipses. In astrology, these points are very important. Pioneering 20th century astrologer Mark Edmund Edmund Jones called them the axis of fate. And honestly, they represent the archetypal solar, that is that which you are acting out, and lunar, that which you are kind of receiving and bringing in impulses, or one's dharma and karma. Research into these positions in your own chart will bring a load of interesting insights, especially around energetic styles or behaviors that need to be released through the south node by sign and house placement. In Vedic astrology, this pair is called Rahu Kitu, the dragon's head and tail. This is a really interesting visual image to further connect to past and potential self-development. The dragon's head, the north node, eats certain aspects. That is, the things that you need to bring into your life, the dharma, is then released through the karma, the tail. 
Anyway, my own north node representing that which must be brought into and self-determined in a life is Taurus, also at 14 degrees. And it's very close to, conjunct as we say in astrology, both my grandmother's south nodes in Taurus, as well as grandmother Eleanor's Mercury and Venus. So this placement also opposes both their north nodes and my grandmother Helen's sun in Scorpio. Okay, essentially you could say there was a lot of potential karma with my grandmothers, and honestly it felt that way. I was so connected to them. I mean, obviously, both literally, but also instinctually. There was always a really, just a deep sense of belonging when I felt in their presence. My Nana Helen's, Nana liked to be called Helen, my grandmother Helen liked to be called Nana, her south node also happened to be exactly on top of my grandmother Helen, Eleanor's Venus in Taurus. So interesting because these two women were both raised in different countries, but it seemed that they were like meant to align. There was, they met actually after their grown children were dating and engaged to be married. But my grandmother Helen did a really amazing thing for, you know, for Eleanor at this time, which was that she testified in court in my grandmother Eleanor's defense in order for her to obtain a divorce. Now this took a lot of courage and bravery in the super conventional environment of the suburbs in the very early 1960s. This was really unprecedented and always so interesting to me that she did this because they weren't really that close. So there were a lot of connections there. I mean, maybe karmic contracts and more. So going to visit my grandmother's when I was a child was kind of a bit of an antidote to, I would say, the many ways the sacrifices my mother made for her freedoms were expressed. So... What was really most cognizant when I look back is that these women both deeply loved their homes and they strove to make them exceptionally beautiful for themselves and obviously then for their guests. There was always a real sense of serenity present as well as pleasure, even luxury. They always had lovely things and homes that emphasized comfort and security, like super high thread count cotton sheets, plush carpets, sterling silver, and antique English bone china. Unlike mom's like super carefree, freedom-oriented lifestyle and the funky bohemian homes that I lived in, my grandmother's homes represented a much more bourgeoisie lifestyle. And for some reason, this was just fascinating to me as a child. As I've aged and pondered my own life, you know, through the lens of astrological symbolism, I really struggled with understanding Taurus and my North Node in Taurus. As I understood the season of Taurus, it's a time of fertility, fecundity, harmony, the image of Ferdinand the Bull comes to mind, garlanded in blossoms in the fields, like peace and tranquility, celebrating the natural world. 
And fittingly, both my grandmothers were also like really fantastic gardeners and they loved flowers and food and clothing. Both of them were involved in retail clothing and design. And in the chart, the second house, the natural house of Taurus, um, is about possessions, the resources we bring to ourselves, the resources we create or innately own. It's our real estate and also our things and anything that we produce also artistically. It isn't creativity in general, but it's like the production of it. In my own chart, the second house is ruled by Aquarius. And Aquarius is very free-willing, wheeling, kind of. Um, and interestingly, my own mom and my upbringing itself, um, you know, was kind of anti-materialism. And, you know, my mom had a real bohemian's distaste of materialism. She always felt that it was somehow not refined to be bourgeoisie. <laughs> so our her, our our early home life was more filled with friends, their ideas and their camaraderie. And she had few possessions. It like brought a lot of freedom and vitality to her. So my mom used to also say about Taurus, she would say stubborn Taurus. That's part of her little pithy exclamations. And, you know, often this came up in relation to my brother Matt's Mars position there. He has Mars in Taurus, which Mars rules his son in Aries. You remember me talking about him before. And so he is exceedingly adverse to change and very stubborn. Forget about convincing him to do anything your way. So Taurus's mode is fixed. Okay, and the modes, remember, are the expressions of the signs. And that is the expression of the grounded middle of a season. So the sign is measured, methodical, and enduring in, cature, in, in character. Taurus's color is green. Taurus's body rulership is the throat and shoulders. They often tend to be slow moving in sun or ascendant. As sensual as Taurus is, they can also be inert. And this is where their natures can tend towards gaining and adding. And this can include weight gain too, which is something if you have strong Taurus placements, you need to guard against. Taurus's staying power can be so strong too that it can dig ruts in habits, lifestyles, and more. As mentioned, the medical astrology of Taurus rules throat, neck, ears, as well as the thyroid. And flexibility of motion within these areas helps Taurus to stay balanced and keep flowing. So what planets are placed does Taurus hold in your chart? Here you're enduring, yet you must develop ways of sharing and flowing in order to keep healthy and balanced. Moving out of any outmoded habits or ruts is essential. So Venus is the planetary ruler of Taurus, as you'll remember Mars was of Aries. And in the progression of our story and astrological lesson, we're moving from the masculine or yang principle of Aries, that spark of life, to the feminine or yin principle of Taurus, the matrix or the matrices of the spark of life, right? So if Aries is the seed, then Taurus is the earth itself. So Venus, other than the moon, is the only other 
planet considered to be feminine. And its history um, is that not only is it the brightest star visible in the night sky, it also has different ways to express itself and its natural rulership of attraction and relatedness. So there's two phases of Venus. One is the morning star, and that is visible in the early morning sky. That means you can see it rising at you know, three in the morning. In astrology, this corresponds to Venus in the element of Earth or in Taurus. And the focus of this Venus is the development of self-worth, the enjoyments and abundance of the sensual natural world. Now, Venus, as the ruler of Taurus, has an orbit kind of like Mercury that lies within our Earths. And it forms two really special geocentric conjunctions with the Sun, which essentially make it from Earth look like it appears, disappears, and then reappears in different points in relation to the Sun. So as mentioned, we have the morning star Venus rising in the early hours. It's astrologically also called Venus Lucifer, which means light bringer. So if you have this kind of Venus in your own natal chart, the idea here is focus on self-esteem and spontaneity. It's emotionally eager and willing to, um, you know, focus its attentions on you know, spontaneity and, um, and having a variety of experiences. So the natal Venus in Taurus is simple. Um, it's very similar. It's also on attracting things to herself. So Venus in Taurus is about attracting lovers, you know, assets, sensual treats, blah, blah, blah. So to determine your personal Venus, check your chart and see what sign and degree your Venus is in relation to your sun sign. If Venus is before your sun by sign or degree, she's a morning star. If she is later than your sun by sign or degree, an evening star. Evening star Venus is like the Venus represented in Libra, the other sign that Venus has rulership over. And that is more about learning to relate and express sensuality more with others. It's like Venus in Taurus attracts love to herself, but Venus in Libra has to embody love and bring it to the other. Interesting. Um, think about it. Throughout Venus's orbit around the sun in the years that she goes in and out of retrograde, she makes a five-pointed star or flower in the heavens. The five-pointed star is the pentagram. So um, the movement of Venus, if you were to watch Venus through the years, you would see her movement make a pentagram or a five-pointed star. Or if you cut open an apple, which was always called the apple of Aphrodite or Venus, because of that. And maybe that's why her appearance and her movement, um, that's why Venus has always been associated with the great goddess in myth and religion. The Empress card in the tarot is the card of Venus, and it's a wonderful representative also of Taurus's feminine energy. A divine goddess sits on a throne decorated with the glyph for Venus. She wears a crown of 12 stars, demonstrative of bright Venus's star status in the heavens, and her gown features the pomegranate. 
as we know from the Persephone myth, both invoking that myth and the myths of Ishtar Inanna, the very first Venus, who famously uh, went in one of the most ancient myth stories ever written was, was the myth of Inanna, the descent into the underworld. And it closely parallels the retrograde of Venus. So Inanna went into the underworld for 40 days and 40 nights and came up down through the seven gates and came back up. And um, the idea of going within and going into the underworld to have an initiatory process and come back up is also reflected in what I talked about earlier with the 40 days and 40 nights. You know, Jesus went out into the desert for 40 days and 40 nights, wrestled with the demons, blah, blah, blah. Many of the ancient gods and goddesses have always had to do that through the period of Venus retrograde. As I personally move and age into my Taurus North Node, my Dharma, I'm seeing now kind of how cultivating um, domesticity and tranquility has become more and more important to me. Okay, so I finally now, I mean, I've moved a lot in my life, but right now I'm seeing that I have the time now to tend to my garden, so to speak, and want to shop for candles and decorative throw pillows and maybe actually some higher thread count, you know, sheets after years of never doing that. Um, and also to stop moving so much, you know, um, and having periodic crisis and maybe just stay. I'm attempting, you know, to never take for granted the recent stability I've stumbled on and also to know that true security comes from within that inner self of self-esteem and harmony. Recently, I asked my partner, who also shares the North Node in Taurus, what he wants from his future and from his relationship. Peace, he quickly answered. Yes, I thought, mm-hmm, that's Taurus's gift. Here's some exercises or journal prompts for you to think about Taurus um, now for this new moon and moving into this time period. Where's your charts, Taurus? Do you have planets there, um, signs of house houses where the sign that rules the cusp of the house has house rulership over there? So where is that for you? Can you see if you're perhaps stubborn or less flexible there? And if so, what can you do to create a little bit more flexibility in this area, area or arena of life? Also, where's your Venus? Is your Venus before or after your sun sign by sign or degree? What about the idea of self-love and or love for others that's kind of like at play in your own life? How do you bring Taurus's love of beauty into your life? What are the things that you do so that you can be surrounded by the idea of beauty? And what sign is on the cusp of your second house of possessions? What things do you possess and what is your relational sign style to your possessions some things to think about and you can do some of this also in the new moon because obviously if you're looking at um both the new moon and also venus it's um 
it's a good way to become a little bit more aware of some of the energetic things that are arising. Now, Venus is, like I mentioned, going to go retrograde in a few weeks, and it is also a really important time to kind of also go within and connect to your own Venus style. What is it that you need to kind of work on? Remember, retrogrades are opportunities to retreat, to revision, to review, to recreate. So it's a very positive time. It isn't a time where you feel that you are ready to jump into something absolutely and definitively brand new, but old things from your past and opportunities for um, like to review and look at things come up. I had a client ask me, you know, oh, I heard that, you know, my ex-boyfriend might pipe, might pop up. And I was like, yeah, Venus is going retrograde. It does happen. Um, but it's an opportunity for you to review this. Do you want this person if this person comes back to you, so to speak? And if so, understanding they're probably not going to change. So it's an opportunity for you to, to reassess, you know, what it is that you think that you want. But for now, if you're listening to this today or tomorrow, the 22nd or 23rd, even the 24th, write down some wishes And if you can get them along the line of where Taurus falls in your chart, you're really using the astrological energetic flow to manifest. So sending you tons of Taurian peace, tranquility, lots of sensual love, and the opportunity for you to get insights and illuminations from that Uranus there that provide you with the opportunity to innovate. And I think that this uh, Venus retrograde will be really an important time for you to make your own Inanna Ishtar-like descent into the um, depth of your own relatedness towards getting what you want, both from a self-esteem standpoint and then obviously from a relating and attracting standpoint. Okay, so super big hugs. Um, Again, if you need me, I am booking. You can book online at persephoneprogram.com. If you have questions for me to address or talk about in the website, send me an email. You can hit me up on Instagram. You can hit me up on michelle.prentice at gmail.com. Sending you, again, tons of love and happy new moon to you.